Well, two Sundays now I've preached in the church and here we are back in front of the camera. And you would remember that we started off pre preaching about an ungodly world and an ungodly church and how we should live a godly life within these places, in, within an ungodly world. And I prepared my heart. I started uh, preparing for the sermon for this Sunday uh, to start preaching to you about the holiness of God. And then the lockdown happened. And I must say, um, brothers and sisters, it really caught a lot of people off, off guard and off sight. For those people who do not know that we here in uh, Melbourne, Victoria, Australia, has been plunged into a five-day hard lockdown stage four, which means that you cannot travel. You can only travel for five kilometers, and it's only for essentials, two days exercise. Uh, you can't visit your friends. You can't visit your family. And then uh, above all is we cannot have church like we want to have church. And I've already heard the battle cries of people crying out. And it is not a good state to be in. If you think about 2020 and I think about people who had mental illness, mental health and mental problems. I think this is just a little bit more worse. Because as you come out of it and you think you just put things behind you, then another one comes. And I want us all to pray and to think about people who's going, making it really tough and going through really tough times. Um, you know, I think about people in hospitals who all of a sudden can't visit their loved ones. Only one person can visit and, and it's terrible. It's not a good sense uh, that's going on in, in public today. Uh, on Friday, when I was driving home, I got a phone call from Lehoni who broke the news to me. I didn't know at that point in time. And I said to her, look, on the way home, I'll just go past the supermarket and pick up a few essentials. And as I walked into the supermarket, and obviously everybody masked up, but you could sense again in the air the frustration. You can sense the discouragement of people. And again, you could see it in their eyes. I also saw a lot of panic happening straight away and you could see every single trolley that were pushed up to the cash registers had toilet paper in it. And that's that's a giveaway these days that if you see toilet paper being purchased like that, that people are panicking. How to live a godly life in a frustrated world, in a discouraged world. Because if there's a time that the world needs the light of the church to shine, it is right now. Jesus said it in his own words that we are the salt of the earth and the light. So salt brings flavor to food if you put it in there. And the message that he's preaching, that beatitude is for us to bring flavor to the world. Not to become part of the same message of the world. And we've got to be careful and preachers out there, and pastors, ministers, be careful not to become a militant voice, but to preach the gospel only. Because it's only the gospel that will bring the, the, the taste and the flavor to this world. And Jesus said that we will be the light to this world. And, and the light is Jesus Christ shining through us into the world. Remember what the Bible says. It said in the beginning, He came and He was the light in John chapter 1. He was the light into a darkened world. And the light shines in us. That is Jesus Christ who lives in us. His Holy Spirit is in us. And we are supposed to shine that light out into the world 
and show the world what is the flavor and what is the light. Light brings direction. Light gives vision. And we need to bring that to the world and not to become part of the same message of the world. It is not the work of, of me as a preacher and a pastor to become part of, of petty politics or, or rash words, but I need to hold myself busy with the gospel, the good news. You remember the lady at the well in John chapter 4, Jesus said to her, uh, I bring you the gift of God. And, you know, if you, if you take that contrast, and, and you put the gift of God against the discouragement of the world, we've got something to say, and we better say it. So during this time, I've heard in the last couple of days, I've heard somebody quote a verse, and it's good, it's always good to bring scripture into these times of discouragement, because let it be known that the, the word of Jesus Christ, the, the scriptures, is the living water, it's the words of life. But this person brought a scripture up, which so many people do. And it's Romans chapter 8, verse 28. Now, if you know me by now, for those who know me for so many years, I don't like it to take a scripture verse out of context. I believe you need to put it into the context of the chapter, in the context of the book, in the context of the Bible, and then in the context of Christ's life. But this particular person i i could see what he wanted to do he like me sensed the discouragement and he wanted to use that verse to uplift people and the verse is romans 8 28 he says and we know that all things work together for good to those who love god to those who are called according to his purpose and then he had something to say about that that is a great scripture verse paul wrote this to the church in rome Who's, who's gone through some good times and bad times. As you know that, you know, the Christians were, were hated in Rome. They didn't have a good and a royal time in Rome. It wasn't, you know, a roses, a road of roses for them. They had some troubles in their time. They were persecuted. They were locked down physically, literally. They were thrown into um, fights with beasts and with gladiators and all of that. It's to them that Paul wrote this. He says, and we know that all things work together for good to those who love God. I love the scripture verse. But I want to ask you the question. Do you really know what this verse means? It's easy to quote it to make yourself feel good for, for five minutes. But it's a different story to know it and to uplift you with joy in the Lord for a lifetime. You see, this verse talks about to those who love God. This is not a verse for the world. The world and the world states wouldn't want to listen to this. And some Christians don't even want to listen to this. They only want to be part of the pity party who complain and moan about everything. But the focus is God and the love towards God. For those, this verse says, the following, he says that all things work for good together for those who love the Lord. You see, to understand this verse is to understand God's sovereignty. And you know what sovereignty means. He's the omnipotent God. He's the omnipresent God and the omniscient God. He knows everything. 
He's more powerful than anything. And here is the thing, my friend. He's, he can't change and he will not change. But to understand this verse is to understand God's sovereignty and His ability to manage every aspect of our lives. And this is demonstrated in all the things that work for our good. That is the true meaning of this. Whether good or bad. And this is where we're coming in with this discouragement now. Where are you sitting right now? When your comfort has been taken away, are you discouraged with the same discouragement of the world? Or are you rejoicing in Christ? You see, this is it. He is the omnipresent God. And He works everything good or bad for our good. Now let's take Joseph, for instance, as an example. Look at this now. Joseph, his brothers hated him. They threw him in a pit and went and told his dad that he was dead. You know, he was killed. <clears throat> he was sold off as a slave. The lowest position he was sold off to that. Now, I know a lot of Christians right now would have complained, would have moaned and groaned about this. But Joseph went through that whole process and he rise to become the second most important in the country. And then years later on, his brothers came and they found out when there was a famine in the land. They came to him and they realized it's their brother. But their father died and now they were throwing themselves at his feet for his mercy and they were expecting to die. You see, Joseph in the Old Testament is a type of Christ. These men were expected to die because of what they did to Joseph. But you see, Joseph says to them there in Genesis chapter 50 verse 20, and I love these words. He says, but as for you, you meant it evil against me. When you threw me in the pit and when you wanted to kill me, you know, one of the, they actually didn't want to kill him. They wanted to kill their own brother. And it was only Reuben who came up and said, do not do that. You know, let's sell him off. The second best thing was to sell him to a slave. So he was actually dead in their eyes. And he says to them, you meant that to evil, for evil. But then he says, but God, friend, I don't know where you are. But I want to say to you, the most best words you can hear if you are discouraged this morning is the words, but God. Go and find out in the Bible, underline every single passage. It's going to cost you to read through the whole Bible. But underline or circle every time you see, but God, it turns out for good. But God meant it for good in order to bring it about as it is this day to save many people alive. You see, what, what Joseph was talking about is something that you and I live on, and that is the providence of God. Have you heard that word before? The providence of God. He experienced the providence of God. And right through the Bible, if you read every saint, every person, you and me, if you stop, if you're a child of God, 
if you believe in God, if you love God, and you look back upon your Christian life, you will see, no doubt, the providence of God. If you understand the providence of God. You see, the word providence is a protective care of God. That's what it means, a protective care of God, by which He cares for and He directs all things in the universe. Now, the universe is so big. Let me bring it more closer to you. And I use, use the same uh, definition on you. You see, it's the protective care of God by which He cares and He directs all things in your and my life. That is, my friend, the providence of God. You can say, it is the timely preparation for future events. So something might happen now and you feel discouraged about it and you feel frustrated about it, but God is preparing you now for something that's going to happen there. And let me tell you, this preacher can tell you a lot of testimonies in my life, which now in hindsight, when I look back on my walk with God, where he did Precisely that. The timely preparation of God into what is lying ahead for me. And not only that, but then that He provides that when the time comes that He prepared me for what is going to happen. You have to believe that. If you're a child of God, you have to stand on that. You have to. You, you know, that is the foundation of faith in God, of trust in God. You see, the word providence, if you look at the word itself, it's made out of a prefix and a root word. And the prefix is pro, which means forward. So, forward what? Then you get the root word of providence. And the root word is the Latin word videre. And that's where we find your English words video from. So in a way, the word means forward video. You know, I'm looking forward. I see something that's going to happen. Um, it is to see beforehand or to have a prior seeing or a foresight. That's a good word. To have foresight of what's going to happen. That's what the word providence means. And here we have God in all of His sovereignty who has that providence for you and for me. Now let me give you a great uh, example of that. Last week, Leonie and I was preparing for the sermon, uh, for the service, for the singing and it was before people even came into the hall, into the, into the church building. We were sitting and we were just going through. Uh, she was, she were playing on, on there and we were singing through the songs. And for what reason? You know, we do post videos, uh, singing videos, which we've recorded before. But we're back in the hall. You know, there was, there was no reason for me just to start recording our singing. But... I walked to the back, grabbed the camera, came down, set it up, 
sit down and I said to her, okay, let's record these songs. And we recorded, I think, the best part of five songs, which the song that you've heard today on this video was recorded, as you could see in the video last week. And then we were singing it and recording it. Little did we know that God was pre already preparing last weekend for what the world in all of their foolishness thought they had control over. God already knew that I had to sit here and I had to record a message for you and to bless you with a song which is already recorded. You see, this is what I mean. It is a timely preparation for future events. It is providence. It's forward video. And this is what God has got for every one of your lives. How wonderful is it? I want to give you another uh, example out of the word. Let's, let's look at 1 Timothy uh, chapter 5 verse 8 and we apply what we've learned now to another passage in the scriptures. Uh, Paul writes to Timothy here, he says to him, he says, but if anyone does not provide for his own, talking about, you know, people who need to provide for their families. He says, but if anyone does not provide for his own and especially for those of his household, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. That is a very harsh word. <clears throat> and there's a few things that's already coming up in my mind about this verse that I can talk and address. But I want to come down to one word in this verse to talk about the providence. Now, when Paul writes this, he was talking about the providence of the head of the family. He says, if anyone does not provide... That word provide comes from the Greek word pronohio. And pronohio means to consider in advance or to look out for, or it can even mean beforehand. It's got the same idea of providence. You see, providence is built into our character as children of God. Why? Because it comes from the author of our character, and that's God. What does the verse say then? He says that the one who's responsible for the household, whether it is your nucleus family, mom, dad, and children, and, and daddies, is the one who is the head of the household. He needs to make provisions for his family. He needs to look in advance. He needs to consider things beforehand to provide for his family, to make provision for his family. Let's bring it to the church. Let's bring it to the, the church family, the one who goes ahead, the preacher, the pastor, the elders of the church. They need to provide for their own. They are the ones who need to look uh, uh, out for or to look beforehand or to consider in advance the needs of the church. Why would Paul teach these things? Because it is the basic foundation of our faith. We should not get disheartened. We should understand what God tells us as children of God. Not to look and fret like the world do. Look at all these news events that's going on around the world and become so fearful and so frustrated and so anxious. No, no, that shows that you are just not believing in the providence of God. They need to know in advance 
what the essentials of life is going to be for the family and for the church. And then they meet those needs. This is what parents do. This is what pastors and ministers do for the church. And let me just tell you one thing. This is what God do for you and for me. So uh, we, see, we hear that Jesus says in Matthew chapter 6, 25, he says, therefore, I say to you, do not worry about your life. I wonder why Jesus would say that. He says it to you and to me. He said it to disciples, but to you and to me. He says, do not worry about your life. What you will eat or what you will drink or about your body, what you will put on it. Is life not more than food and the body more than clothing? You see, people are worrying today and I, my heart goes out to it. My heart goes out to young people, young families. There's all of this noise in the air. You know, shall we vaccine or shall we not vaccine? You know, is the vaccine the mark of the beast? Is it not the mark of the beast? You know, all of these things fills the air. If the virus comes from UK and it's a much worse strain now, it produces fear. Or it is the one from South Africa. <clears throat> and everybody's going to catch it and everybody's going to die. What's going to happen to our children? What's going to happen to my parents? And there's all this fear mongering going up in, up in the world. And we know, we know there is dark forces behind the scenes. She uses this strategy or this crisis. But should we worry? Honestly, as a child of God, should you and I, yes, we should know about it. There's a difference between knowing and worrying about something. I believe in God's providence. Maybe this today, you know, the lockdowns that happen constantly or the viruses or anything is a preparation for something that's coming because he's got foresight. Jesus says, do not worry about your life. Do not worry about it. But it also doesn't mean that we need to be careful about it, careless about it. It's not sitting back and say, oh, you know, I don't worry. No, no, we walk in faith in the providence of God. We are to put our trust in the God that will meet our needs. His provision will meet our needs. Why? Because He knows all things. Look at Matthew 6, 7. And when you pray, He says to you and me, well, He says it to the disciples, but to you and me. He says, when you pray, do not use vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. And here is the verse now. He says, therefore do not be like them, for your father knows the things you have need before you ask him. God knows. You see, provision for video. Videre, prevedere. He knows about these things. See, one of the names that God is known by is a name that I love so much and I prayed so many times. And I thank God. When I pray, sometimes I say, Jehovah Jireh, thank you. I worship you and I praise you. Jehovah Jireh. And, and for those who, who don't have the knowledge about this and the teaching, I'm not praising a foreign God. I'm praising Elohim. But one of the names that he's known by is Jehovah Jireh, which means God will provide. And we find this passage back 
when God spoke to Abraham and he says, Abraham, I want you to offer your son to me. In other words, I want you to kill your son. And I want you to do it just, just to obey me. And Isaac went through the whole passage. And you can go and read in Genesis chapter 22 the whole passage about it. He got up early in the morning. He got Isaac. He got his servants. And they walk with the donkey up towards the place that God will show. And as they walk up to the place, Isaac started talking to him. He says, Father, <clears throat> behold the fire. We're carrying fire with us. And the wood. But where is the lamp for the burnt offering? See, it didn't make sense to Isaac. Didn't make sense. Abraham was operating on the word of God. And similarly today, you know, the things we say and the things that I even preach won't make sense to the world. Even people in churches, it doesn't make sense. You see, God didn't ask us to make sense out of it. He asked us to obey. And I hear it. I hear it when Abraham replied to him. Abraham says to him, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering, my son. Genesis 22, 8. You see, Abraham believed in the providence of God. Even though he was right in the middle of one of the the biggest struggles he had to give up his only son. The son, the covenant son. But he had faith in the providence of God. And we know that they came to the place and just for those scholars there or students out there, the very place where Isaac was going to be offered later became Golgotha, the place of the skull with Jesus. The very place, literally the very place, was killed on the cross. Or shall I say, gave his life on the cross. But we find that when they came up to the place and they built the altar and, and Abraham is to the point of actually literally killing his son, that God called out to him, he says, Abraham, Abraham, wait. And God provided. He did provide. And as Abraham goes away from this place, in Genesis chapter 22 verse 14, and Abraham called the name of that place Jehovah Jireh, God will provide. In his providence he will provide. As it is said to this day in the mount, the Lord shall be seen. Friend, I talked to you about the providence of God in a difficult time for many people. I want you to look up. Look at God. Call upon Him. Because if you look back and you look up in your Christian walk, He's always been there. Always been there. You see, the divine providence of God declares that God is completely in control of all things. I know these people in America who think they rule the world. I know the WHO think they rule the world. I know Jinping from China thinks he ruled the world. I know that Dan Andrews thinks he ruled the world. Or whoever thinks they rule the world. But here is some breaking news. They ain't ruling the world. They are only playing a part in the theater of what's going to play out eventually. And we know that God is in control of all. 
and this is crucial when we live in uncertain days to understand. In Colossians chapter 1 verse 15, Paul writes, he says, He is the image of the invisible God. This is Jesus, the firstborn over all creation. For by him all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth. By whom? By Jesus. Let me ask the question, who's got authority over a creation? The one who created it. He's got authority over it. If I create something, it is the work of my hands. And I have got control and authority over it. Visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions and principalities of powers, all things were created through Him and for Him. And He is there for all things and in Him all things consist. Nobody's got more power than Him. He's the one. And he's got all the power, then he can have the provision for us as children of God. Daniel chapter 4 verse 34, you remember when Nebuchadnezzar came to his senses, he, he said these words, he says, um, <clears throat> I, Nebuchadnezzar, lift my eyes to heaven and my understanding returned to me and I blessed the most high and praised and honor him who lives forever. And his dominion is everlasting dominion and his kingdom from generation to generation. All the inhabitants of the earth are reputed as nothing. Here is the most powerful man of his day. Of the earth. Nebuchadnezzar was the most powerful man in his day. They say that the President of the United States is the most powerful man on the earth today. In his day, he would have been that man. And he says, all the inhabitants of the earth are reputed as nothing. He does according to his will in the army of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth. No one can restrain his hand or say to him, what have you done? You need to know that you are serving a powerful God. And he is in control. He's sovereign over the universe. Did you know that? The universe that, you know, Elon Musk and the people shoot rockets into the air and they try to find life out there and let it be known from this preacher. I'm not as clever as those guys. I haven't done the university degrees. I read the Bible. <laughs> and I tell you today, you are wasting time to look for life out there. There's no water on Mars. There's no water on the moon or any other planet. The only inhabitant planet in the universe is this one. I think I'll take up a lot of time if I go on this rabbit trail now. This is the one that he created. And that's the only life form. There ain't no aliens with spaceships coming down and going to land on the earth. It's rubbish. It's a lie. It is the lie from the liar. He has got control over the universe. Psalm 103 verse 19. The Lord has established throne in heaven. His throne and his kingdom rules over all. Over all. 
If you believe that there's life out there, if you believe there's water or there's another galaxy with other people there, then you make God a liar. And you tell him according to this verse that he's weak. He's got he's sovereign over the physical world as well. Matthew chapter 5, 34, he says, But I say to you, love your enemies, bless those who curse you, bless those. Do good to those who hate you and pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you, that you may be sons of your Father in heaven. For he makes the sun rise on the evil and the good, and he sends rain on the just and the unjust. He's got, he's got sovereignty over the physical world. He's also got sovereignty over the affairs of nations. Psalm 66, 7. He rules by his power forever. His eyes observe the nations. The nations. Do not let the rebellious exalt himself. He observed them. He's sovereign over human destiny. You and my destiny. Galatians chapter 115, but when it pleases God, pleased God, who separated me from my mother's womb, and he called me through his grace. So he set destiny in place for Paul, destiny in place for, for Timothy, destiny in place for Peter, destiny in place for you and for me. Ephesians 1.4, that we should be holy uh, 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 hold before him he, he, he foreknew us before the foundation of the world he's sovereign over the successes and the failures of us Luke 152 he has put down the mighty from their thrones and exalted the lowly you have to believe these things my brother my sister and then he has got sovereignty over the protection of his people. Psalm 4 verse 8, I will both lie down in peace and sleep for you alone, O Lord, make me dwell in safety. So let me end by saying, what are we to do then? What do we do? I mean, we're going to sit locked down now for another four days and it might extend and there might be other things coming Instead of getting frustrated and downcasted, what should we do? We ought to trust in the Lord and know that He's in control. That's what we need to do. Proverbs 3 verse 1, My son, do not forget my law. It's a time to read your Bible. Start small. You know, wake up every day. There's four days left. Say, Lord, at least I can read four chapters. Just four chapters. Start in John, the book of John. Read the first four chapters, one chapter a day. And then continue after that, another chapter. And if you feel like it, because you're going to have a lot more time, read two chapters. You don't have to, you know, commit too much. You know, just read that. And pray. Even if you pray a five-minute prayer. Don't try to pray. If you don't know what to pray, go on your knees and say, Lord, I don't know what to pray. Have your Bible there. He says, my son, do not forget my law. The law here is your Bible. But let your heart keep my commands. The commands is in the Bible. For length of days and long life and peace they will add to you. Peace, long life will be added by what? 
by the law and by the commandments of God. Let not mercy and truth forsake you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. And so find favor and high esteem in the sight of God and man. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And lean not on your own understanding. In all of your ways acknowledge him. And he shall direct your paths. What do we do preacher? We do Proverbs chapter 3 from verse 1 to 6. You see, God is sovereign. And His sovereignty is supposed to comfort us. Friends, I don't know the future. I, I remember vividly. You know, last year a lot of people said, Horrible 2020. We want to get into 2021. Who knows if it's going to be better? Worldly seen. But it could be better for you and for me. Because I absolutely believe the coming of the Lord is close. And we have to be serious with Him. In Jesus' name. May the Lord bless you and I pray and hope that we can see each other next week in the hall. In our church building. Father, I pray for my friends. And I pray, Lord, that... Yes, Lord, that you touch their hearts, Lord. I don't know whoever hear my voice now is frustrated or discouraged I just pray Lord that you uplift them through your spirit and if they don't know you Lord if they haven't come to a point to, to accept a gift from you which is salvation through the gospel through the death of Christ and if they haven't tasted the living water I just pray Lord that you, you make them hunger in their souls to search more and to cry out for you to receive the gift so that they also can have peace in their lives. In Jesus' name, Amen.